Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Don't Miss This. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. We are so happy that you're here. Today we are, this is our second take, and I'm already laughing from the first one. I said good morning at the beginning of the first one. I thought it was fine. Um, it's today, the middle of the afternoon, and it's probably nighttime when you're watching. Who knows? Yeah, unless you're in Australia. Or we just found out there's people. Let's tell oh, all okay. the places this where is people really are watching. Fun. This is so fun. Uh, Russia. Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, China, Thailand, everywhere. Um, you guys, we pulled you up all over the world. Wherever you're watching us, you write the us. UK, Australia, New yeah. Zealand, all, all these can- yeah. Canada willing. Canada. We were so excited. So hi to all of all those the places people. in the world. We're so excited about that. Um, okay, I wonder if the Thailand one's my nephew. He's serving a mission in Thailand. Can they watch it? I don't know. We don't I- know. You, Anyways, you email us and let us know. Okay, today we're doing John 13 through 17. Now, this week and next week kind of happen around the same time. But remember, some of what are called the synoptic gospels, because uh, they're like synonymous with each other. Matthew, Mark, and Luke will tell a story really similar. And John sometimes tells his own extra version of the story. So this is happening at, the fi- at their Passover meal, the Last Supper, which we'll talk more about next week. Um, but you just get a dialogue in John's um, version of it that you don't get in in the other three. At least this one's a little bit longer. So they are gathered. It's the last week of Jesus's life in that Holy Week, probably Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and he is gathered with his disciples for a Passover meal, or we know it as the Last Supper. So it is just a close, intimate group of of dear friends and disciples, you know, all together. I think it's really interesting that um, Judas Iscariot is invited to this feast, you know, and you will see him as a part of that, that even up until those uh, less than 24 hours before he will betray him, that Jesus is still inviting him in to this, you know, to the feast. Yeah, into into the the family, family, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, there you are, like, whatever you've done, you are still invited here as, as part of this and can be you know, included here. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, oh, go ahead. Well, and it's fun to think about that setting. Um, that room probably wasn't a very big room. It probably mostly was the table and all of those people just gathered around really close. And maybe you just picture in your mind one of the best dinner occasions you've ever been to where people eat and then they just sit around with each other and they talk and they ask questions and there's just a lot of back and forth going on. Right. It's one of those long evenings with good friends. That's that's what you want to envision right now. Yeah, and this will come into play a little bit later. But you want to—they aren't sitting kind of like Da Vinci's Last Supper painting, but um, they would have been lounging on the ground on these kind of big pillows around them. And so, really, they're there to stay. And when you look at what Jesus is going to be talking about and teaching, you kind of know this is this is the end. He knows this is the end. I wonder if they've fought back so much. Mm -hmm. No, 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 it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And he keeps pressing and saying, yes, it is. And the tenderness of this, he he -hmm. knows what's coming for them. And and, uh, the heartbreak they're about to experience. And it's almost like he's preparing them for 
what's to come. Mm -hmm. I love how this starts off if you go to John 13, yes, chapter 1. Yes, you love this. One. Verse 1. Verse 1 could be the whole lesson. It really could. It really could because look at this. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, and, he, and whenever that phrase is always talking about his hour of death, his suffering and crucifixion, um, that he should depart out of the world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Mm. And so that's his motivation for everything he will teach and everything he will do at this final meal is, uh, well, it's been his motivation his entire ministry, is um, love for his disciples. So... And you love that often when the Savior is going to teach a principle, um, it's really common for him to begin with an object lesson. And that is true of this night, just as it is true um, in other places as well. Um, so it tells us in verse 4, He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin. I'm in chapter 13, verse 5, and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. And we just want you to think for a minute as he is doing this one by one to each um, of the men who were there, what this might have been like, what it would have felt like, what was happening, um, what was he teaching in that moment? Because on one hand, it was just an ordinary custom for people to get their feet washed when they came into a home, but it was not ordinary for the most important person in the room to wash everybody's feet. And right, we, usually a, not just a servant, but a, the lowest servant would have the job of of washing people's feet because it's just gross. Well, and let's think about it. Let's just think about like in reality, if you have ever been to Israel or Jerusalem or any of that place, or if you've ever been on a hike in the mountains anywhere, imagine if you wore sandals on that hike by the time you were done, what your feet would look like. Just have a picture of that in your mind. And so, and not to be gross, but like sewage was like poured out into the streets and everything like that. We're not, I mean, yeah. it is just gross. So we're talking about him washing one of the most dirty parts of the body. That's what he's choosing to do. And, and you kind of feel um, how there's something that's not culturally right about it when Peter stops the Lord and says, I don't want you to do that to me. And there's an interesting conversation that takes place um, where he says to Jesus, you will never wash my feet in verse eight. And Jesus says, if I wash thee not, then you have no part with me, which mm. is an interesting thought because what is Jesus trying to teach in that moment? And then Simon says what we love about Simon Peter, um, that he just jumps right in and he's like, well, okay, then just wash all of me, right? <laughs> you wash my whole self because that is how much of a part I want with you. And um, Jesus says to him, and, and you have to just wonder if there isn't just a little laugh underneath it because he's got to just love that part of Peter so much. He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And you just love the thought of that, of Jesus saying, I will wash the dirtiest part of you. Really, he is doing that literally. But also he's letting us know that's what he came to do, is to wash the dirtiest part of every one of us. And that is how we have part with him is because he is willing to do that. And it is an expression of his love, right? It goes straight back up to verse 1. He loved them unto the end. And this is his object lesson of what that was going to look like. Um, but also a call, an example for us to follow. And I love what... Um, as we were doing research this week, one of the things that we found oh, yeah. from a Bible scholar was about, if you remember, um, 
your study of the Old Testament, the high priest, which actually represented uh, the Savior, um, in the temple wore um, priestly robes and, and, and different garments and different articles of clothing. And one of the things that that high priest wore was a girdle or a sash around his waist. And um, a lot of Bible scholars believe that that sash or girdle was a symbol of the type of believer that is always ready, waiting with humility and character and willing to serve. That, would, that was the symbol for that girdle or sash for the high priest. And so it's neat that in this chapter, mm-hmm. Jesus he girds is, yeah. himself with the towel that he's going to use to wash. Right. It's There's just, just such a, great symbolism. And, and I love that um, once we, we saw this with the woman taken in adultery. Remember that he goes down into the dirt mm-hmm. with her. And there he is with his disciples also. Right, that he's just like I'm going to be down, and even Judas Iscariot's feet will be washed on that occasion. Mm-hmm. At least that's what it seems from reading of it. That I will be down there with you, and I will wash. You know, and it's just so symbolic of the places that he is willing to go with each of us, and that there's nothing that should keep us from letting him come into our life and. And help us work through all of those things because and, that's what kind of love he has. Right. And, and and I relate to Peter when Peter says, like, you won't ever wash my feet. You know, like. I don't want you to see that part of me that isn't good, that isn't clean. Right. Isn't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel worthy for you to do this. Mm-hmm. I, I almost sometimes want to even say, like. I don't want you to pay and suffer for my sins. Like they're not, mm-hmm. they're not yours to pay for. They're mine. I did it, and and I should be the one to mm-hmm. receive this. And for him to be like, no, this is how and why we are connected to each other. Mm-hmm. Is I need you to let me cleanse you, mm-hmm. right? And and that that's such a powerful principle. Is like, what does it take to receive the cleansing? power of of the savior's mm-hmm. um grace uh, allowance we have to we have to okay right yeah, I, we have I, to I, let him cleanse us and and love us right, right? we have to allow him and we feel so unlovable sometimes where it's like i'm not i'm not lovable there's so much about me that i don't want you to see and know and he mm-hmm. says please let me and there was a, um, a lady, my neighbor in my ward, who bore a testimony on Sunday and just talked about as she goes on, on visits to different homes and stuff, she's like, it's almost like when I, when we really show each other who we really are, there, there is this tight connection and bond between us, you know? And, and I wonder if that's, you know, because we put on a face for mm-hmm. most people and probably that's socially acceptable, but yeah. you know, when we let someone see like, ah, oh, this is who I really am. And that's reciprocated with no judgment, but an increase of love, mm-hmm. right? Jesus doesn't, um, remember Elder Renlund says, he doesn't recoil or like, like, you know, have a, like, whatever you call that, I just yeah. did, <laughs> you know? <laughs> if you're listening to this, you have to go watch, you didn't see it. Um, when he sees us in our dirtiness, you know, mm-hmm. like a shepherd doesn't do that with a dirty yeah, sheep. Yeah, he doesn't turn away. But he increases mm-hmm. in love when he sees pain or yeah. he moves in toward pain and and dirty. And I just love that thought of cleansing. And we've talked about this song before, but um, this would be another good week if you didn't listen to it last time, or if it has become one of your favorites. Callie Reed has a song entitled Cleanse You. And it's just such a beautiful representation about this. But um, I love when it talks about, I didn't um, 
it, it wasn't meant to drown you. It was meant to cleanse you. And there is just this beauty in the cleansing that comes through Christ and that expression of love that is expressed in this. Um, at the top of my chapter 13, I have a little note for myself that says, look for the love in chapters 13 through 18. And as you are reading this week, maybe you'll read with a red pencil and you'll just go through and mark every time you see the word love. Um, there's an interesting correlation that we noticed as we were going through and we actually left you a, a place right here um, to just circle the number of times you see the word love and um, you can put it in the space there. But just to make note of the lessons of love that are taught in uh, John chapter 13 through 18. And as we went through there, we we found another interesting parallel there. It's interesting because many years ago, um, when my friend Nish and I had just started becoming friends, we were talking a lot about um, what was similar about our beliefs and what was different. And um, one day we started talking about why we keep the commandments. And she was like, why do you keep the commandments? And I started thinking about it and I was like, yeah, why do I keep the commandments? And in my mind, I was trying to think, um, like, for sure, I feel an increase of the spirit when I keep the commandments and um, some of the commandments I keep because it allows me to go into the temple. And so I kind of was processing through each of those things. And um, as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, why do you keep the commandments? And just she answered so quickly out of love. Um, I keep the commandments out of love for Jesus Christ. And I was like, that is such a simple answer and also true of me. But I don't know that I had ever simplified it to that degree. And as you go through here, not only will you notice the word love mentioned a number of times, but also the word commandment is mentioned. And you might want to watch for why would keeping the commandments um, have to do with how we love? Mm. Why would that be a parallel there? And what do we learn from that? And one thing that I want to think about as we look back to this washing of the feet is... Um, some people might have looked at that, even Peter, when he talked to Christ, as an inconvenience or as something um, he maybe didn't really want to do. It was Some of that was probably hard. It was a lot of work. It was, um, you know, required effort and ongoing effort. He, he probably had to clean the pot before every single person if their feet were going to be clean. And you just watch the routine and the logistics of what was happening there. And it was inconvenient. It was a lot of repetition. It was a lot of just um, showing, showing that love in ways that maybe seemed rote, right? As he went through every single person. Um, and as I think about it, I think, you know, it's a, a lot of the same as us keeping the commandments. It's something that we do over and over and we are re-cleansing ourselves through that process of keeping the commandments. And part of those commandments are how we express our love back to him the same way on that occasion he expressed his love to them even in what might have felt inconvenient or um you know not exactly what he wanted to do but it was such an expression of love and devotion and honoring them for who they were in his eyes and him becoming the servant and that's what happens for us when we keep the commandments yeah you almost think um it, it, if Jesus were to declare me, like I love reading through the Doctrine and Covenants. I love I love that the first thing Joseph hears in the in the first vision, you know, after his name is, "You are forgiven of your sins." Mm -hmm. I love I just like to hear that line for him to say, "You're clean," 
every whit. My immediate reaction to that, especially when it's at his cost, is you've won me over. I'll do I'll do whatever mm -hmm. you want me to do. Yeah. You know, I, and I love this concept that, that we don't obey commandments. We obey a commander. We're not obedient to the stone tablets. We're obedient to Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, um, who loved us first. And so the, we, our relationship with him is based off of love. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and we show that love by trusting him and, and you know, keeping commandments. Mm -hmm. But I think that's gotta, that has got to lead out that it's that love. In fact, I love this image that you see. It's just a description of, of something that's there. But in John chapter 13, that same chapter, verse 23, you see this is John. And um, he's writing about himself, describing the scene. He says, now there was leaning on Jesus's bosom on to his chest. So remember, they're, they're lounging all around, right? One of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Now, I love this about John, <laughs> that he doesn't ever say, and then John was there. He talks about himself every time mm -hmm. as the one Jesus loved. That is how he identifies himself. Like, what if I never introduced myself as David? That wouldn't be matter because no one knows my name. But like, <laughs> what if I just, what if I, I was like, hi, good to meet you. I'm, I'm someone Jesus loves. What's your name? You know, but there's something really neat about that. There's like, yeah. this is how I identify, you know, as I'm someone who Jesus loves. But that I think is a picture of discipleship. Someone who one, knows that they're loved by him. And two, is able to lean back on him mm -hmm. in a re relaxed, um, yeah, in rest his on rest on him. Mm -hmm. I'm in his embrace. I know I'm loved. Even with my dirty feet, I know I'm loved. And I also love that he's right near his heartbeat. He would have been able to hear his heartbeat, right? If mm -hmm. you're that close, almost like, and I can sense and hear and know the things that you care about and you love. Mm -hmm. that, that's a picture of discipleship also. But in his embrace, I, I lean and listen on you mm -hmm. and, and I, and I and love you, and the things you love. And you just want to be so close, so right. connected, um, so one with him. And I love that on this sheet, um, what is written here is for you to write, um, what does discipleship look like to you? What is your picture of discipleship, similar to what um, John wrote, what was his picture of discipleship? What does yours look like? Right. Okay, so I just have a lot of fun with that that whole section. I think you'll just be overwhelmed by how much. Um, and again, I, I just think it's so important that we like, there's that great scripture we all know so much, John 14, 15, that if you love me, mm -hmm. keep my commandments. But I always want love to lead out Remember we talked about this in a previous video that um, that President Packer is sharing with the missionaries at the MTC um, that if you focus more on commandments than you do on the love of the Father and the Son, that you'll lose people, right? Mm -hmm. They have to be couched in love. love. And what if love was our only motive? How would that change how we serve? And um, I just love that reminder of that that reminder of that girdle just the reminder the reminder <laughs> we have all these new words that we're coining because we talk so fast of that girdle and the thought of that just as that constant reminder to lead out with love and to serve because that's what he does he leads yeah. with love yeah and and and, and i just thought of this like remember when he says if you love me keep my commandments well let's remember what the commandments are anytime someone asks jesus what is the commandment it's mm -hmm. always 
love, love. God, mm -hmm. love people. It's not like, oh, keep the word away, even though, you know, it's like, love God, love That's what people. He leads with. That's it. Mm -hmm. And and, and he so gives us good. permission to, right? Mm -hmm. He gives us permission to get down um, in the dirty and and serve mm -hmm. and, and love. Yesterday in church, this is going to confuse everybody because it's going to come out a couple <laughs> weeks later, but we talked about the Good Samaritan, but, and I love that Jesus takes that man or the Good Samaritan, who I think is Jesus, takes the man to the inn and he says to the innkeeper, take care of him. That there's no backstory. Mm -hmm. There's no explanation of, did he do this to himself? Is it his fault? And Jesus gives us permission to care. Take care of him. That's mm -hmm. it. Like so no good. backstory. Mm -hmm. Just take care of people. Love people. But their feet are dirty. Take care of them. Mm -hmm. Then clean them. Yeah. But how did they get dirty? I don't care. Just, just... Do it. Mm -hmm. So you good. know. Yeah. Okay. Well, we love that part. We love that part. That Unintended. whole part is on love. Okay. Then we're gonna move down for a minute. Um, there's a lot of great teaching right here about the Holy Ghost, and let's just start with this. Both of us have the opportunity to teach youth a lot. Um, we travel all over the country, and um, a lot of times we'll go to places where there's a question and answer session with the youth, and the number one question we get asked is how do I know if it's the Holy Ghost? How do I know if it is the Spirit talking to me? How do I know if I've ever felt a prompting from the Spirit? There are so many questions that have to do with how does the Holy Ghost work in our life? This is a number of chapters that teach that really well. And what we've done is we have put boxes here. These are the same scripture references you will find in your Come Follow Me manual. And what we would love to encourage you to do is Get these out to different members of your family, these or group, verses or, or groups with. or whoever you're with, and let each person study individually what is the role of the Holy Ghost, what do you learn about the Holy Ghost in that situation, and take some time to get that all listed out so people can see it. But then I think it would be so powerful to say to whatever group you are with, when now looking at these, when is a time where you have experienced the Holy Ghost? in your life. Mm -hmm. um, it has made me wonder in recent years if maybe we do not talk enough about the times when we feel prompted from the Holy Ghost. If we don't talk about um, responding to those moments and, and if we need to start having those discussions more often. Um, in our family, everyone listens to Come Follow Me in different parts of the United States. We listen, we watch these videos together um, and then we get on a FaceTime phone call and we all get on together and talk about what we are learning. And as I was, as we were preparing for this, I thought to myself, you know, the question I want to ask my family is, when is the most recent time you have felt a prompting from the Holy Ghost? And what was it? And how did you act on it? Because maybe that needs to be more a part of our conversations. I have found as my children have gotten older, um, in my prayers, there is one phrase I say without fail every time I pray for my kids, and it, it is that they will have an increase of the Holy Ghost, that they will know what to do and to say in their life on that day. And I don't know if there's anything more powerful we can pray for for our kids than an increase of the Holy Ghost. Um, as we look, And I'm just thinking even to act on what you think might be the Holy Ghost, mm. you know? Yep. Like, I, I just think that's great advice. It's like, I don't know whether it is or not. It's like, I, I think, I think it was. It was like, yes. well, move forward and, and do good, you yes. know? Yes, yep. Um, 
I want to look at this one, John 14, and it's going to be 16 through 17. Um, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the word world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And then it goes to 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And this is one of my favorite things to teach my seminary kids is the fact that the Holy Ghost really can bring all things to your remembrance. Um, if I, if we were going around right now and saying what is one thing that stood out to you from these four squares, um, that would be one of them that has stood out in my life, that the Holy Ghost really can bring all things to your remembrance. And it's powerful to realize that when he says all things, he seriously is talking about everything. Anything that is important to you that you need to remember, he's going to help you with. And that means math right? That means whatever test you are studying for right now, that means um, he's going to remind you things that you need to say and you need to do. And um, this became abundantly clear in my life, this principle, when our son Garrett, who plays football, was at Snow College and he hadn't played football in a lot of years and um, had an invitation to come down and play at that junior college. And he got down there and got all moved in and, and practice started. And he called and said to me, I'm having such a hard time remembering the plays. And we talked about ways he could remember the plays and what should we do. And um, we even he came home one weekend to have me try and help him remember the plays, which is a disaster because anyone who knows me knows I know nothing about football. And on She's that like, day, hit it to first base. Yes. <laughs> on that day when he found out he was going to play at the Broncos, I was like, oh, fun. Where are they? And my kids were like, mom, never say that again. That is so bad. Um, so one time she was watching, she was at the stadium and didn't know what quarter it was or the score because she couldn't find it. So I had to tell her from here on the phone what the score was Listen, and what quarter it was. I was watching was. Garrett so carefully. I had no idea what was going on anywhere else. So... Um, I drove him home to Snow College that like, afternoon. It's huge out there. Just look onto the field. Okay, it's fine. The story. I know where it is now. Everybody, Greg showed me. Um, so I was driving him home. He was a little bit discouraged about how was he going to remember his plays. And I, and all of a sudden, I thought to myself, you know what? The Spirit is going to help you. The Spirit is going to help you remember your place because the Spirit can bring all things to your remembrance. I believe that. I know it is true. And he was studying so hard. No one could be studying harder than he was. But just in the minute he needed him, for some reason he couldn't remember. So I said to him, our only job is we have to just figure out how to help you have the Spirit on the sideline of a football field. Which if you've ever been on the sideline of a football field, that is a little bit hard to do. I'll never forget a couple days later, he called me up and he's like, mom, it is working. You are right, it is working. And I was like, "What? what's working? Having the spirit with me on the sideline, it's helping me remember my plays. And I said, well, how are you doing it? And he said, I just stand on the sideline and I sing, I am a child of God until they call my name. And I was like, can you imagine the other guys on a Garrett just singing? And I was like, that's a good idea. This huge guy on the O-line. But maybe we should find something that's a little quieter, I told him. So let's keep thinking, but just keep doing that until we come up with something else. Well, a couple days later, he called me and he was like, Mom, I thought of a better idea. And he had decided he was going to write on his shoes, on his cleats. 
everything that had to do with things that would remind him of the Holy Ghost. So if you look at these, you can see um, he's got scriptures, Mosiah 2.17. His favorite scripture in the world is always on his cleats, Mosiah 2.22. Um, Son of God, faith, hope, charity. Um, just I am a child of God is generally somewhere on there. Um, he writes the, um, Jesus Christ on here. Anything that would help him remember he's trying to keep the Holy Ghost. And I love, um, and I loved thinking back then when people would line up across from him on <laughs> the field. And they would look down and they'd start reading on his shoes, love, Trustworthy, hope, charity. Trustworthy, be yourself. Yeah, all Jesus. these things. That they'd be like, this guy is soft, right? <laughs> and then all it would take is one blow of the whistle and Garrett would go at him and he's not soft on the field. Everybody, <laughs> he's a little scary on the field. People tell me that all the time. Um, but I love that he found a way to keep the spirit with him that would bring all things to his remembrance. And that's one of the things that I think is important is we're teaching our kids and our families, what can the Holy Ghost do? Look for the Holy Ghost in real life situations. Look for him in the everyday moments of your life because one of the greatest blessings that Heavenly Father gave us is to have a member of the Godhead with us at all times. Um, within whispering distance, Elaine Dalton says, mm. and I love, um, I, I just love the thought of that. Yeah, and, and I remember hearing that one time and going through that, and that might be a good like thought exercise to go through, that that is God's greatest gift for mortality. Mm. And if, if, I, if I don't know why, that's okay. But maybe that's something I want to try and figure out. Mm -hmm. Then w how would it be his greatest gift for yeah. me? Like, let me study that and think through all of that to, you know, to come to like a, a personal belief. Yeah. And in, what do you need the that? Holy Ghost to be doing right now in your life? And, and maybe what you learn in these chapters that would help right. you to understand that better. Great. Okay, we're going to kind of wrap up here with this last chapter, which is another like chapter of like, I think just some personal study or we put some verses up here that you could divide out in a group or family chapter 17 is known in the christian world as the great intercessory prayer an intercessor is a mediator or an advocate somebody who pleads or speaks or stands up for and defends somebody else and so jesus as our intercessor as our advocate prays chapter 17 the whole thing is a prayer of him praying for his disciples praying, love, praying right in for verse us. nine he just says simply i pray for them it's yeah. so neat and we were talking before this started that have you ever noticed that like a general conference you know we don't really hear the president of the church pray much or a member of the 12 and there have been just a couple occasions where i've been in a meeting where a member of the 12 has prayed and i thought that's just kind of a neat thing to mm -hmm. hear an apostle's prayer and how powerful that we hear the Lord's prayer, his actual words, like his recorded prayer for his disciples. And to look through that and to think, man, if Jesus could pray for me, what would what would he say? Hmm. You know, and I love that, that, you know, in times of trouble that we'll often ask people, you know, will you please pray for hmm. me? Um, and uh, and just to be honest, I used to tell people I prayed for him because I felt like that was like a nice thing to say. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, hey, we're thinking of you and praying for you, but I wasn't really until a time in my life when, and that phrase that people always say, I feel the power of your prayers. I kind of just thought they were faking. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, you didn't, you know, <laughs> um, until I did, you know? Yes. And I remember I came home after that experience. I got out of the hospital and came home and my friend said, well, we've been praying for you. And I said, were you really? 
because I, I legitimately felt hmm. strength and power from it. Yeah. I, I remember like feeling a surge of, of strength. And so that, that request is not one that um, I take very lightly when somebody asks, you know, will you pray for us, you know? And we can trust that the Savior is praying for us because we see it over and over again in Scripture. Right. It, it might be fun to talk about where are other times in Scripture where you remember Jesus praying for the people he was with because the Book of Mormon records an account. You remember that tender one when he says to Peter, I pray for you individually yeah. that it might be neat to go through and think about where are the times feeding the 5,000 where are the times when you remember Jesus praying um, th that we learn an important thing about right. the character of Christ from that, that yeah um, he's God's son he's they yeah. share character and thoughts and he still is praying for you know those us. that he loves yeah. right us this is a prayer for you mm -hmm. that's really neat um I love I mean, there's so much that you, so you can look through and just like, what are, what are his hopes and, and prayers, you know, for each of us? I do love this one line I want to look at. It's verse 26, just to point out one of them. And I, I love that Jesus says um, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them. And, and I, I love that request from Jesus. Mm -hmm. Will you please love them the same way that you love me? Hmm. That's so powerful to believe yeah. that about the Father's love and to see Jesus um, praying for that. So that will just be an awesome, you know, activity. Is that the right word? Yes. You know, to see like what, what Jesus prays for. Mm -hmm. prays for Should we end with this yeah, one right Yeah, let's here? end this with that one and tell them where it is. It's going to be in 17. Four. So look, four. just like this is one last little thought before we go. In this prayer, um, Jesus says, I glorified thee on earth. And I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And I just think that's so interesting. I was just at a um, women's conference. I snuck in. Because um, <laughs> I'm a man. It's the only man. Um, into women's conference and heard Michelle Craig speak. And I thought it was neat that she talked about um, that Jesus says, I finished the work that thou gavest me to do. And how sometimes we might be a little bit jealous of the work and callings that others may have. But uh, just that call there is... What's what's the work he's called me to do, mm -hmm. you know? And I think we can connect it back to the first part of our discussion. The the work that he's given every single one of us to do is the same. And it's the work to love and, and to serve. Like, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's the real work. Yeah. Our callings don't matter. Our individual experiences, who, our opportunities. It all comes down to one-on-one -on -one ministry mm -hmm. and one-on-one -on -one. well uh, yeah and the calling means nothing and the ministry means nothing if it isn't backed by love mm. and i think Amen. that is important that we just we keep that as our our first motive it's just if we love everything's going to change right simple mm -hmm. but powerful and love to the end just like he said just love to the end right so okay see you next week love y'all This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.